0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the FujiLove Podcast. This is the show all about the Fujifilm X-Series and GFX cameras and the photographers who love to use them. I'm Mark Sinowski, and before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to share just one little item. Uh, if you're interested in following me or checking out more of my work, you can always follow me on Instagram or Twitter. Both of them are Mark Sadowski. That's Mark with a C. And for those that are looking for more podcasting, you can always find me on Xmark. That is my own personal little journal slash photography show. Again, Xmark, X-M-A-R-C. You can find it on any podcasting device, whether it's Apple, Spotify, or even Stitcher, you'll find it. Joining me this week is Bobby Lane. Bobby is an amazing photographer. She is married to Lee Varis from uh, a couple episodes ago. And she is an amazing Fujifilm ex-photographer. Bobby, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Mark. Boy, that was a lot of amazings. You <laughs> are amazing. I uh, Your work is just phenomenal. You are kind of like you you know that expression uh you, uh, you know um, am i, I making mean, you nervous <laughs> you you have a tremendous portfolio is what i'm saying it's you know there's some people that are good at this good at that you are just amazing at everything well you thank know, you-, you i
1: i ha- i do a lot of things i mean i'm i'm primarily known for doing my portraits Yes, uh, you know commercially. I'm a you know I'm a commercial photographer, not a retail photographer. But
0: jack of all trades. That's,
1: I'm, that's yeah, that's the good thing to say. Yes, or I'm the Bob of all trades. <laughs> but the, but the so, thing is that,
0: that, that the last tagline is master of none. But you're, you you don't have that tagline because your work really shines. It it is just amazing on, on all fronts well thank you
1: so much i boy you're making me feel really great here i Uh, mean i obviously really i really love this i really love photography it is it is my passion it's my creative soul um i you know i've been interested pretty much my whole life but from the time i was a senior in high school we we moved into a new high school that had a photography department and my my older sister had a camera that i could borrow an old pentax spotmatic with a couple of lenses and my first roll of film i won first and second prize in a local photo contest my Holy very God. first roll so that that hooked me there was the hook right there
0: i mean, I mean <laughs> wow yeah. what was the roll of film
1: yeah it was just it was a roll of black and white it was winter time and i uh i lived with this big giant park behind me and i photographed some reeds backlit by the sun and um uh, there was all these little star bursts everywhere, and uh, you know there was it was like coming up out of the ice, and then the other one was a close up of an ice pattern. And really, this is like my very first roll of film, and and that was it. So you know, there somebody was- somebody asked me one time if if I didn't if that didn't happen to me if I didn't have that kind of you know the push to go on from the very beginning would I have continued? I have no idea. I can't imagine I would not have
0: i think another opportunity would have presented itself um, probably
1: i i can't imagine doing anything else
0: yeah um i i mean just so so in, in that first first moment like what what was it that attracted to you because there there is aside from the you know the, the technicality of everything you had the, the foresight to to really know how to compose your 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 frame it, kind of like any artist composing uh you know what what, what they envision on on, on a on, on canvas um it, that that must have been happening to you at, at this point
1: no actually it was no? a, a very hard hard learned skill um i i didn't have any Formal training in art, although I really always liked art and I like drawing and all of that, but but I had no real understanding about composition or design or or you know values, light and dark. Um, I, I was not intuitively, uh, you know. I, I have, you know, I, I'm a teacher as well. Yeah, I know that you already know that, and I think that everybody else out there knows that I'm a, I'm a really dedicated photo educator, and I have had many students over the years, thousands of them, and some of them really just were so amazing like everything that they did was just beautifully composed and put together and and they weren't even really conscious of it for me I really had to work at it and I did and I think that I'm really pretty good at it but it was not something that came innately to me but I do think I was attracted to the light from the very beginning from what was happening with the light I think that that was probably a bigger hook for me than uh than anything else and you know you, you do know my nickname is mistress of light so, you know, I teach lighting and I I I love all this so it's <laughs> so, you know, but the, I think that that from the very beginning was the thing that attracted attracted me um as well as its ability to you know, not just tell a story. I mean, I really think that every photograph should be telling a story, but also to have the emotional impact. Um And that was very appealing to me. You know, my real, my first love is music. And if I could have been a musician, if I was good enough to be a musician, I probably would have become a musician. But I've found that there are so many similarities between music and photography um, that they're very deeply intertwined in terms of having a a technical skill level, um, the production, uh, you know, putting it all together, uh, having the idea, the concept um, in the studio in the excuse, well, there's two studios we have the photo studio and the music studio in the music studio, there is a producer, and that person sits at the board and decides how everything gets mixed together and as a photographer, you're doing the same thing you're mixing together what the subject is, what the composition is, what the the lighting is, and all of that comes together just like the music comes together in in the recording studio so I think that that's another thing is that the the impact of music emotionally on me has been strong my entire life. And I feel that the photography can do the same thing. You know, when you and I first were talking, we were talking about Kevin Mullins and, you know, who is a fantastic wedding photographer, journalistic in uh, in England. The very first time I saw Kevin's work, I I cried. I wept i wept because the images just were so touching and meaningful and and that's like such a joy <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. get any better than that
0: <laughs> it yeah he, he has this uh especially his black and whites oh, they're like, yes. they are just powerful framed ever so perfectly um it, it, but but this is about you i mean
1: <laughs> well so, but you know, it's just that whole idea of that the power of a photograph. How how much it can teach you, inspire you, touch you, make you laugh, make you cry, make you think. You know, in in one image can do all of that. Yes. It's pretty it's pretty amazing.
0: Um with your portraits, um uh, you mentioned music. Um that music influence does that kind of you, you have a very unique style of what looks like uh, almost a camera shake to some of the portraits.
1: Oh, (laughs) Oh, you're talking about dragging the shutter,
0: dragging the shutter. Yeah, in, In some cases it looks, it almost rather than a camera shake, it almost looks like a vibration. Like you're, you're looking at waves of, things happening to the background while the, while, while the person's uh, portrait remains mostly focused.
1: Right. Well, that's, that's the, um, you know, Lee and I lead a a trip to um, um, to Venice carnival every year. This, in fact, this coming February will be my 10th year. And, uh, but I've always done this, you know, being a commercial photographer, learning how to balance strobe and ambient light has been crucial. I've had to photograph people with, you know, sitting in front of their computers or, you know, a whole variety of situations as as you do as a wedding photographer, where you've got to light the person, but you have to go to a slower shutter speed to pull in the background. So all of that, that balancing is really a, a, a critical skill and technique to understand. But I really like to play with that. So your, your flash is going to freeze your subject. You're lighting your subject with your flash, but the background's ambient. So I do. I'm I'm actually shameless. My technique is I will do anything I can think of. I will shake the camera, spin the camera, pan the camera, zoom the camera, do a combination of all of those things. And and I just keep trying. It's it's there's there's things that I know how to do that will work pretty well, but then lots of times I will just I will just experiment. So I can't tell you I will exactly do this step to make this happen because you know, my favorite saying in photography is everything depends upon everything. Yes, so it depends upon the situation. This situation requires this technique, and this one requires this technique but but i, I do love that. I do love that sense of um a movement and uh kind of mystery or, or surrealism in a way sometimes so you know yeah. i I do that a lot with the Venice Carnival, but I do it with some of the musicians as well,
0: and it fits their style. there's one where it looks like there's um there's a sparkler going off. Uh, with uh, oh yes Uh, oh i love that one
1: yeah rooftop of manhattan yep that's uh uh, that's will pino uh, and he is an amazing guitarist we were on a rooftop of manhattan and my assistant is behind him holding a one of those like three foot long sparklers yeah and just waving it and you know there's a whole series of those earlier there was more light in the sky so at that point it was pretty late and it was about a two second exposure so my assistant's like furiously waving that uh, sparkler behind him
0: <laughs> but you I have think- other instances where uh there's the the older gentleman with with the with the cowboy hat where the the motion is very soft it's very uh subdued and and it, it gives the photo a very dreamlike quality which is really fitting for 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 what the gentleman's face looks like is Kind of, I would say somber. To me, it looked somber.
1: Well, you know, it's it's again, it's one of those things where where I say that. uh, Well, I'm sorry, I got a couple of things to say. The first thing is is that, and this is one of the things that I I try to impart to my students, is that it's really important to learn technique. But good technique does not make a photograph. You know, just because you have great technique doesn't mean that it's a good shot. it has to be combined with what the concept of the picture is. So in in some cases, having something be really wild is with like shaking the camera drastically or zooming would really fit the subject, like the costumers in Venice, where in other times you want something that's just going to be very, very subtle. So it's important to to be clear about what it is that you're trying to say. What What's the idea that you're trying to get ac- across? What do you want your viewer to feel or understand, because it's totally up to you. You you as the photographer are, you're the artist, you're the creator, and you're in a partnership. When you're making a portrait, you're in a partnership with that person. So you should be pretty well set about what it is that you want to say about them. Um, I always say that you can't take one picture of somebody that it's going to tell you everything there is to know about that person that's like saying okay go to new york city and take one picture of new york that will tell you everything you will ever need to know about new york if you've never been there you know you you can't do that people are very complicated so all we as photographers can do is say today i am photographing this person and the kind of image that i want to make the feeling that i'm looking for is this Therefore, I'm going to be using this kind of technique or lighting or direction or composition or tonalities or whatever to be able to get that idea across. So it it all has to match. You know, I don't feel like I really have like a a recognizable style like like Joyce Tennyson or um, Keith Carter or, you know, a whole variety of people because I think that I really, I, I flow with what the need of the photograph is. Um, you know, the director, Robert Weiss, he did Sound of Music, West Side Story, The yes. Day the Earth Stood Still. Um, he was the editor on Citizen Kane, um, you know, four-time Oscar-winning uh, director. I I had the pleasure of photographing him one time, and it was, it was oh, just an, an amazing experience, and um, I really enjoyed talking to him. And he had done over 40 films in his career, and he said that, that he would get, the critics would come down on him saying, well, you know, you can't really recognize a Robert Wise picture. And he said, that's fine because I'm doing whatever it is that I need to do to tell the story. And when he said that to me, and that was 20 years ago, I thought, you know what, that's exactly me. That's, that's exactly what I do. And him saying that kind of validates me, (laughs) makes me feel a little bit better that, I'm not like a really recognizable style, but you know sometimes that can also pigeonhole you, you know? It's like you like people don't want you to do something else. They just want you to do that one thing that you do.
0: Yes. You know, you so, don't want to be typecast.
1: Yeah, I don't. I like to do too many different things.
0: And you do too <laughs> I many do. things. Um of all the things uh that you do photograph, whether it's portraits, uh y- 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 the-, the travel photography, um which one do you feel is probably your favorite right now?
1: Oh, I hate this question. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like saying... Well, I say right now because... You know, yeah, thank of- you. Yeah, that actually helps. It's it's kind of like saying, what's your favorite color? <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, okay, well, I, sometimes I like red and sometimes I like blue, but you know, today I like yellow. Um, you know, I, I will tell you, this is... You had mentioned a little bit earlier to me about talking about the pandemic and how it's affected us and all of that. And I was
0: going to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah I'm good, because you asked me what I like to photograph, and it's got to do with that. Um, I'm, uh, I've am always photographed flowers, it's just as for myself. I don't really care whether anybody ever saw them or I showed them. It was just something that I like to do because I love the color and the design. And I just love flowers. They're beautiful. Yes. Um, during the pandemic, um, you know, everything came to a standstill. All of my work, any commercial work, you know, you couldn't photograph anybody in person, you know, you couldn't do anything. I couldn't teach anything. I couldn't, you know, there was like nothing in public. So basically all work dried up, not completely, but almost all work dried up for about a year and a half. Yeah. So what can you do when you're home and you can't go out with people? Well, I could go to the store and I could buy flowers. So I embarked upon a project, which I am still working on. And I can tell you part of it, I can't tell you all of it because I'm still kind of fine-tuning a major part of this. Mm-hmm. but I have been photographing um, cut flowers um, it, since the springtime. I've been planting flowers my my uh, I have garden and uh, um, uh, a porch that a lot of potted plants. I'm not a very good gardener, so i'm I'm buying a lot of stuff. but i've I've really gotten into with the Fuji XT4 and using the 80 millimeter macro, the 2.8. Yeah. And there's, there's several things that I have done. I have a variety of parts of this flower project. Um, one of them is photographing with the 80, you know, shooting macro at, at a variety of f-stops. Another one is shooting at only at 2.8 and coming in really, really close with that macro and shooting wide open, which means that there's barely anything in focus. So the, the images become almost impressionistic and unidentifiable so they're they're truly just their color and light and composition right.
0: very um, abstract
1: very abstract um another part of this is that i would keep these flowers for so long that eventually they would die and then i would and i i you know i have a i have a section on my website that's called i shoot dead things And, um, um, and so dead flowers is now part of this ongoing project. And, and there's been a few ways that I've approached this. I mean, you've seen lots of people shoot dead flowers and they shoot black and white and they shoot it from the side and it's all very dramatic, but what I've been doing, and again, this has all been a discovery process in this last year and a half, because I've had plenty of time. Um, I've been photographing the dead flowers with the, the new flowers out of focus in the background. So it's kind, it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the dead, it's, it's dying away to make room for something new and fresh. Yes. So, um, and then the biggest part of this is that, and, I, and forgive me for like, I'm not really trying to be mysterious, but if I try to talk about this when I, before I've really got it completely done or, you know, because it's being modified, then it's really not going to make any sense. So, um, but it is a, it's a long-term project. And right now that's what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm completely obsessed. I will, my dining room turned into a studio for many, many months over the last, that's awesome. over we're the last year and a half. That.
0: And we're we're gonna, gonna come, you, you're going to come back on the show and talk about it when everything. Okay.
1: Completed. Great. Great.
0: Um, so and and we'll we'll come back to the the whole uh maybe come back to the whole covid and life changing photography changing um but I wanted to pull back uh to uh your teaching because uh this is something that is this coming back uh now that things are uh kind of opening back up
1: Uh yes uh thankfully
0: <laughs>
1: Um <laughs> We, uh, Lee and I are now doing our own uh, workshops, our own private workshops. You know, we're, the two of us together, were the Bobby and Lee's photo adventures.
0: Yes. Um, I love and, that site, by the
1: way. Yes, yes. And, uh, and we're, so, you know, we're doing a uh, weekend or one day workshops uh, locally, as well as, you know, doing the travel tours, which are also back. But um, last weekend was our first full weekend workshop. We have another one coming up next weekend. And- we have a few more planned for August, and then we're going to be gone kind of from the middle of August to the middle of September, and then we'll do several more in the fall. Um, so people are ready to come back out again. Um, we are limiting our workshops to only six people. We still want to, for actually for several reasons, uh, for safety, um, if we have six people and there's two of us, and if we have models, we have two models, then we're keeping the group to 10. And that that makes people feel a little bit more comfortable. And yeah. mostly what we're doing is outside, even if it's lighting. We're, you know, we're doing lighting on location. So uh so that's also making people feel more comfortable. Besides the fact it's like, hey, how great is this? Six students and two teachers? You know, you get a lot of attention and you get a lot of shooting time. So uh so we're we're really getting this going and and loving it. People are so ready to come back out again. They're really, really ready. Um, But it's like I said, we don't want to have we don't want to have massive amounts of people or massive groups of people. We want to keep it really small and intimate. And um, and so people are going to get the best experience that they possibly can. So, you know, the big workshops, you know, like I've taught for Santa Fe in Maine. I teach at ICP in New York, the Los Angeles Center of Photography. Um, All of them are slowly coming back around. Uh, and just starting the in-person workshops this summer, but they're still keeping them very limited. Like they're doing like two a week or something like that. So, uh, so neither of us are doing anything with the, uh, with the big workshop companies, um, this year. Um, so, but it's, you know, it's all good. We are going to Iceland in September. We have a sold out tour for Iceland, which is seven people. We only take seven to Iceland and, um, and Venice carnival, which is my really, all time favorite. Um, that's next February. And that we take, that we take 12 people. Um, and that's sold out that's sold out in March, almost a year ahead of time. So people are ready to travel. They're ready to get back out there again. And, um, and that's, that's really fantastic news for us and for, for them, for everybody, you know, it's like, yippee, <laughs> let's oh, get back man. out there and do this again.
0: That has, that has got to be the, the, the most refreshing feeling to to be able to uh travel and see different sites yes absolutely the iceland trip alone that that one uh man i i can't wait to see some of those photos Uh, Um, yeah
1: that's pretty spectacular it's kind of like everything you've heard about iceland is true and then there's more Um, but the, but the more it's the, it's the funny thing that people don't talk about is that a lot of Iceland, you know, it's very green. (laughs) Iceland is, I mean, Greenland is really full of ice and Iceland is full of green. Um, you say many places, do you see rolling hills and fields of green covered with sheep? (laughs) And (laughs) it's, it's very, it's very bucolic, and soft and lovely and calm and then you have giant glaciers and you have mountains and waterfalls that are larger than you possibly can imagine and so you know you have everything from the subtle to the spectacular yes it's it's great uh, it's a it's a tremendous experience and the food is fantastic you know basically lamb and fish and you're in heaven <laughs> it's great
0: it's on my bucket list uh, iceland <laughs> iceland new zealand uh oh, yeah. I I if I could do one of the two I'll be happy. Yeah, good uh, for you. And then one more trip to uh to to Europe um at some point. Um probably under the radar for not no, let my family know <laughs> just so I can. <laughs> it. Um but uh yeah, that's that that's also on the bucket list. Yeah, um, good. With um with everything coming back, um, I, I, I got to say, uh, and, and it's been a little while since uh, you've been on the, the show. You were originally interviewed by Jens. Um, what were you using for your Fuji gear back then? And what are you using now? Mm. I wanted to see how what, what's the difference a, a, and what you feel has helped you uh, with with your uh, photography today.
1: Well, um, you know, I have been a Fuji X photographer uh, since March of when did the XT one come out? Was that two thousand thirteen or 2000, 2013, I think, or was it two thousand fourteen?
0: I you know what I can't remember. I, I it's actually, two, th- actually
1: it's two thousand fourteen. It's I'm I'm remembering it now. Two thousand fourteen
0: cameras is my time. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, this happened during the time of the Canon Five D Mark II. Uh, my daughter was born <laughs> when, it, when, when the the I, I think the Mark IV came out.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well, actually, my you know I I started off when I first changed from uh from film to digital. I had a Fuji S one, and then I had an S three, and then I had an S five. So I had all I was a Nikon photographer. So. My yeah. introduction to digital was with those cameras and I could use the Nikon lenses and then that relationship ended with uh, between Fuji and Nikon so I was then fully in Nikon and I was very disappointed. So when they came out with the XT1 I was all over it. I I always say that I was I was number 1 in the Fuji cult. Um so mm-hmm. actually my XT1 my serial number is 0005.
0: Oh my god, that's awesome. Yes, <laughs> yes.
1: I I was actually teaching in Dubai at Gulf Photo Plus and um the Fuji people came to me and told me that they wanted me to be an ex photographer, and they gave me 0005 and I never touched the Nikon again. <laughs> I really no. I I was done with it. If I had I, I could have thrown it away that week and, and never cared again. I completely and totally fell in love. So I've had the T2, the T3, and of course now I'm shooting with the T4. Um, we don't own a, a medium format, although I've shot many times with the 50. And I've only had one opportunity to really shoot with the 100. But we are planning that we will be getting the 100S when there's more availability. We'll be getting that probably this fall sometime. So, right. um, and and between Lee and I, we have, all well, we don't have all the lenses because, you know, I don't have a lot of the fixed wide lenses because my two favorite lenses, well, I have to add the third one in now. The 56 1.2 for me is the perfect, the perfect portrait lens. I can, yep. I can shoot so wide open with it. It's really fast. It's small. It's ridiculously sharp. I mean, like so incredibly sharp, wide open. I mean, very few lenses like that at 1.2 are really sharp at 1.2, um, like the 50 1.0, that's also crazy sharp. But the 56 is the perfect focal length. Um, My other lens that I use tremendously is the 16 to 55 2.8. So that one is my general all purpose all around. Um, I use it almost exclusively in Venice because of the situations about moving in and out and working with people quickly. Um, Yes. But I, I use it for a whole variety of things. So. You know, that is really a useful lens. And of course, now that I'm, I'm into totally into the flowers, I've got the 80 macro, uh, the 2.8, and that has just become a dream. Um, Lee, before we even met Lee had, I think he had the X pro one and he had several lenses and he had the 60 macro, but the 60 macro is this little tiny lens and it really is terrible focusing, slow focusing. The 80 is one of the all time gems. And a great focal length for macro too, because you can get in really tight and there's still a space between the lens and the subject so that you can light or put a reflector in or, you know, whatever it is that you need to do, you actually have a little bit of room to be able to do that. So, so that's what I've been working with mainly, but you know, I still, I love the 92. Oh my God, at f two. That's fantastic. And that's what I
0: use. I actually sold my 56 uh, to, to get the 90. I kind of regret doing that because I want to have both. I want to have them all. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but back in the Canon days, I absolutely adored the 135. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of going into that realm uh, was something that I really, really wanted to do. And and it's a nice little zoom lens. Uh, it has good reach in a church.
1: Right. Oh yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. One of the reasons I like the 56 so much is because uh, quite often I'm photographing one person and, um, and with the 56, (coughs) excuse me, I can, uh, I can be closer to them. So the relationship is, uh, is a little bit more intimate than with the 90 when you have to be further away so that I kind of feel like I'm having a better communication and a better interaction with my subject. Yeah. So, uh, because otherwise, that 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 ninety at f two is again just so beautiful. The background, just the bouquet, is amazing, and and it's a great perspective. I I agree. I used to shoot with the one thirty five on the Nikon too. Yeah. It,
0: but to your point, it, you you do have to be like a mile away sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And if you have uh, more
1: than one person, then you're really you really are getting further away.
0: Yeah. Um, so I need to. Uh, I need to. Save up my pennies again. What's well, <laughs> <quit> saving? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just bought a second uh XT3. Um, oh
1: yeah, you can't have I, uh, too many. <laughs>
0: uh, it 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 is true. Uh, I went on this adventure. I actually sold my uh X100, my X100V. Oh, because, yeah. Oh, I, I love I, that camera. I I I, I got it. I'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, I I wanted to buy the XE4 because I thought it was kind of like an X100 with an interchangeable lens. And I was kind of just fearing that I didn't have as many redundancies for weddings and and commercial work uh, and and so forth. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe the XE4 is going to be better. So I gave the X100 a good home. A listener picked it up, uh, so it, it, it's in good hands. Good,
1: good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> uh,
0: so I'm happy that uh, about that. Um, and, and, and then I enjoyed the XE4, but it didn't quite hit the 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 what I wanted, uh especially for what I was doing. Um, and then right after I had that thought and and, and did a wedding, I, I my my second photographer told me about the sale going on for the XT3, <laughs> which put it in the price range. I'm like, you know what, XE4? Uh you're you're going back to B an H. I am uh like like I literally was driving to a wedding stopped at uh hunt's photo and video uh first i gave him a call saying hey do you guys have an xt3 like we got one left i'm like hold it i'm there in like 15 minutes great
1: great that's perfect
0: yeah i arrived and they said that like no no sooner did i call that somebody else was trying to call to reserve it um and and i picked it up and, and then shot a wedding with Two <laughs> degrees.
1: That was a, that was a that was a very wise move, Mark.
0: But to your point, though, the, there's that heart that is in the X X100 that I kind of regret selling. Um, yeah, I, I may that's buy a, another one.
1: <laughs> I, well, I've had I've had um well between Lee and I we kind of like take turns. Um, yeah, I didn't have the very first X100, but yep. I had the X100s. And then, and then Lee had the next one. And then, so now I've got the V. So we've had, we've had four of the five and the V is by far my favorite of all of them. I, I I really think it's just, it's such a superior camera.
0: Um, so I got to ask, um, uh, with both of you being photographers, um, when, when did you meet, and was it through like a, a, a photo gig that you guys met? Well, actually, yes. We, we met at the California Photo Festival in
1: Morro Bay, or San Luis Obispo, California. And um, you know, I, Lee is born and raised in L.A., and uh, I lived in L.A. for 25 years. So I left L.A. in 2001 and moved back to the East Coast. I was in Connecticut for 10 years. And then uh, in 2011, I moved back to Southeastern Massachusetts, which is where I'm from. So it took me 30, yeah. 35 years to come back to my kind of like my home area. Um, so, but I'd spent a lot of time. Morro Bay is one of my favorite places on earth, truly on earth. I completely and totally love it there. And I knew the people who were running the the California Photo Festival. I had not been, uh, they had been doing it for a couple of years and I I hadn't gone to any of them before this. This was my first one uh, with the, with the full festival. And, um, Lee was also there. Now Lee and I knew who each other was for 10 years. Um, we both taught for the Julia Dean workshop, which is now the Los Angeles center of photography. But of course, whenever you're doing a workshop, you're the only one there. There's not, it's not like you're, there's a big school and there's classes going on all the time. It's like you come in and you do a weekend workshop. So, um, and and we had mutual acquaintances, but we had actually never met in person. So um, we, there's, a, you know, there's a really long story that goes with this, which I'm obviously not gonna get into right now, but it is really a great story with, with lots of embellishments that can happen on this. But basically uh, we met at the festival and we're like, oh my God, it's you, we finally get to meet in person. And we started talking to each other like we had known each other our entire lives. And by the end of the week, we knew that we were gonna to be together forever. I mean really yeah. seriously that's how it happened. But of course I'm living in Massachusetts and he was living in LA so the next thing that happened was a a little more than a year commuting. So um he moved out to uh, about a year and two months later. Um we packed up his 25 year old RV and we spent 3 weeks driving across the country. Uh and I actually had the the um that was my first that was the one the X100 S. that so it was 2013 so that was I had that before I had the X-T1 and I shot with that going across the country and I still had the Nikons then but I shot with that and I loved it so so anyway um, so that's what happened so and then you know I when we got together I said look I'm, I left LA I'm not coming back to LA and Lee said great because I am so ready to leave LA
0: <laughs> so
1: um, it was very easy and he came out here and you know and, and my friends adore him so my friends are his friends, and and we have you know so many things in common. We've got the music thing in common as well, um, and we like each other. So you know, which is really good because we work together. <laughs> <laughs> and, always a plus. and live together, and eat together, and sleep together, and you know. So you <laughs> got to get a little bit of separation here sometime, but <laughs> we each we each do have our own separate office in our house.
0: <laughs> right on. Um, is there? Any kind of competition between the two of mm. you with, with the photography not at all,
1: not at all um, we both are great admirers of the other person's work um when it's it's interesting because when we go out to shoot like if we go to Venice or Iceland or whatever, we come back with completely different kinds of images, even though yeah. we're we're there at the same place we just see differently and it's it's actually really inspiring because. I look at what he go, he does, and I say, "Wow, I never thought about that. That's a that's a great idea. This is a brilliant photo." And then he says, "Oh, you're a much better photographer than I am." And I'm like, "No, I'm not." So you that's know, not- we we kind of really inspire and and push each other. Um, and it's funny because we you know we both have background in large format product photography. That's where both of us started. And you know, now I'm primarily people, but you know, both of us do we do just like a wide variety of of everything. But, um, and of course you, you do know, obviously, cause you already had the interview with him that, you know, he is an Adobe wizard an absolute, you know, master of the computer. He's one of the digital pioneers and, uh, yeah. and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's that as well. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, when people ask me what my workflow is, I say, well, I do everything in Lightroom and if it needs anything more than that, my workflow is Lee Veris. <laughs>
0: Honey, <laughs> that's
1: exactly right. Honey, can you come here?
0: <laughs> How do I do that thing with a thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, the thing. it's true. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's no competition.
1: We we do kind of take turns. Lee came up with this thing about sometimes I'm Batman and he's Robin, and sometimes he's Batman and I'm Robin. Right on. You know, that, it that, works. That
0: actually, works. Yeah, it uh, does. Get your own Justice League going. <laughs> yeah um oh that's that's so awesome and you know what uh when you're finished with your project uh you know we'll we'll have to both bring you on the show and we could talk about favorite stories uh on on, uh, trips or uh assignments or or anything anything like that
1: oh yeah we have lots of stories
0: (laughs) right on yeah so that we'll, we'll put a bit in that one and uh We'll have to, uh, talk about that. Um, right on. Uh, you know what? I, I could go on and on. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll save it for next time to, to have a great chat. Well, and, you said you
1: wanted to know a little bit more about the pandemic.
0: Oh yeah. We could go, uh, right back into that. <laughs> um, happy thoughts. <laughs> uh, I thought, <laughs> uh, so, what else, uh, what else has, uh, happened that has changed things for, uh, for you pandemic wise? Well, I, I know for me personally, you know, it, it's just the ebb and flow of, of business, but like what kind of, uh, things happen photography wise to you?
1: Well, that's, that's, um, that's why I wanted to bring it back up again, because I think that this is really important, um, you know, in the beginning, when we we came back from Italy, just when everything was hitting, we came back from the Venice Carnival, just as it was all hitting. And within three weeks, everything was gone. And and then the Zoom presentation started. And the one of the very first Zoom, actually, it was the very first Zoom presentation I did when nobody knew how to use Zoom, uh, was talking to a group of photographers in New York um, that were working on long-term projects. And I was talking about hitting the creative rut and what to do to get out of the creative rut. And several things happened. First off, the zoom presentation was terrible. Um, the, whatever that was going on with zoom was overwhelmed. They were, this was all beginning. And, and in order for me to speak, if I spoke for more than 15 seconds, my voice would become completely garbled. But if, but if somebody else spoke, then my voice would come back clear. So we assigned somebody every 15 minutes, every 15 seconds or 20 seconds, they would say something so that I could continue talking. I mean, it was, it was horrible. I mean, it's like totally breaking up the flow. And, you know, when I've taught creativity classes before and I had all of these tips and tricks and, and it was such an incredibly frustrating night that at the end of that evening, I, I realized that I wasn't doing any of those tips myself that that I had I basically hit the wall really severely and for the next month I didn't touch a camera I, I didn't do anything I mean I was I was really in a you know I a panic is not the word I would say extremely concerned <laughs> about you we, know how we
0: had no information right uh, right
1: we didn't know what was going to happen how long it was going to go on you know how are we going to survive I mean it was it was you know it was a lot of stuff but I just I kind of like lost all of my my creativity in photography, and I just put the camera down, and I started cooking, and I started making these fantastic meals that are all like really fantastic but good for you. And I started baking gluten, sugar-free keto cookies, and as a result, over the pandemic, I've lost 16 pounds, and Lee's lost 12, and I, we're eating des- and, I eat and we're dinner. eating dessert every night. so so that was like my creative outlet and then i get into doing the flowers so this is the most important thing that happened to me is because most of the time most of my life i have a, a variety of things that are going on i'm 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 writing articles i'm i'm doing presentations i'm teaching workshops i'm shooting commercially i'm you know doing this i'm doing that i'm like constantly in a flow of a variety of different things. It's not like I have like one thing that I do, Yeah. but now I had nothing to do. So I, I ended up getting into this flower project. And what I discovered was the great gift and beauty of time for discovery. So I literally have shot between 15 and 20,000 images of flowers in the last year. And and as and what's happened with that is that, as I was saying, is is that I set up the dining room as a studio and I have windows on two sides of the dining room. I had lights in there and I just had all of these flowers, you know, in various stages of of blooming or decay. And I have backgrounds and I have my dining room is painted red. The walls are red. Um, I, I bought all of these different small like one foot square like designer backgrounds that are like, some of them look like watercolors in different colors. Some of them had like gold leaf in them. So I'd put those behind the flowers and make them all out of focus. And so what would happen is that that I was so inspired once I got into this, is that when I would come downstairs in the morning, I'd walk through the dining room to get into the kitchen and I wouldn't make it to the kitchen. I would just immediately start shooting. So quite often I would shoot two hours without even having a cup of coffee, I would just like come down and I would look at something and say, Oh my God, I have to get that right now. And I would go to work. And there were other times, there was one day I actually spent 12 hours shooting. I did stop for, for, uh, lunch and, uh, and for dinner, but I spent 12 hours. I think I shot from eight o'clock in the morning until eight o'clock at night. And I just was completely, totally obsessed and absorbed with the process that I was in, I was totally in the zone. So your
0: wrist must have loved you then.
1: <laughs> my ankles hurt <laughs> from standing up all the time. But um, it, it really was that that beauty of uh, giving yourself the permission to explore. and yeah. and you know, I always tell this to my students in my classes. It's like you gotta fail. You got to embrace failure. You got to fall flat on your face because if you fall flat on your face, then you can look at this and say, "What can I do to make this better?" And then you really learn it. So, you know, I've been doing this for so long commercially. I don't fail. I can't fail. I, I you know, it's like it's. I, I know what to do because I have so much experience. But doing something that's just a project for yourself and this creative exploration has brought me to things that I have never thought of before looking at things in ways that I've never thought of before and that I've never seen anybody else do. And that to me is the biggest thing, because I think that all of us, we all have inspiration from other people. You start to work on something and it reminds you of something, even if you can't put your your finger on it and you kind of like repeat that or kind of go in that direction. And I certainly did do that. i certainly am, am um, you know, totally own responsibility of, of probably imitating somebody somewhere along the line. But but that led me on the path. You know, that's I think that's what I really wanted to say, is that I went down a really long road. I, and I'm still going down it. I am, I am traveling this path. and I am discovering so much. So for me, this horrible, horrible time that we have gone through on so many different levels has actually brought me to a completely different place in my creative life and i'm and in case you haven't figured this out yet i'm an optimist so you know i'm i've out of all of the stuff that's gone on th- there is my optimism i am i am a better photographer now than i have ever been and i have i have i think created more beautiful images in the last year than i have in the last 10
0: and i mean th- this is I-, I can't wait to 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 see this uh and product that you have, um, me too. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, to your point, I I find this very fascinating. In that, I wonder what we are going to see in the next five to ten years when uh, individuals like yourself that that are working on these pro- uh, projects um, start coming to completion. And start seeing the light of day. Right. Um, and, and, you know, what kind of... Uh, uh, because there there are those that uh, are, are just like you that have said, uh, you know, th- even though it's not... Con- I wouldn't consider it a failure, but you did have the rug pulled out from under you. Yes. as We all did. Yes. And, and we all handled it in, in, in our own ways. And I think you we're we're starting to see the uh the, the the fruits of that in that there there are a lot of people that are just you know up and quitting their jobs and doing something else and and in this time uh we're able to discover what they want to do and go it doesn't necessarily have to be art related um but in this particular case we're we're talking art and I absolutely can't wait to see what you, you, you did.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, me too. But you know, I I think you're right. It's I think that this has taught us uh, that this is what we've got. This is all we have is right now. We don't, we don't have, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next month or next year. Um, This is what we have. So I think that that is, it has been a good thing for a lot of people to say, you know, I don't want to waste any more time. I don't want to be stuck yeah. in a dead end job or continue to do something that I that I really don't want to do. And you know, when you were saying something about your visit to um uh to to Europe, um I'm you know my ancestry is Scottish and I've never been to Scotland and I'm determined I'm I want to go to Scotland next year and I'm going to make it happen. I've got enough frequent flyer miles <laughs> that that we can go. But I, that has now become like a really important thing to do for myself because. I don't know what's going to happen who knows you know and, and it's it's more in the forefront now i think we've always said you never know you, ever know you could walk outside and get hit by a bus but you know i think all of us now that's we're more aware of that and how we're now I,
0: aware of that yes bus. <laughs> yes
1: and it's and how important it is to really truly be here now and to be uh, a part of um uh, participating in our lives in a more positive way And, and to be grateful. I am my gratitude. I am so grateful. I am so grateful for so many things. And I think that that is, it is such an important thing to remember the gratitude, even when you're cranky and pissed off and tired and frustrated and everything else. I'm still grateful. And believe me, I do get tired and cranky and pissed off, but I'm grateful more than I am anything else.
0: I, I got one more question about, uh, the pandemic and it, it's something that you, uh, just mentioned, uh, a, a little bit ago, um, you left Italy right when the, right before the pandemic started to hit while you were finishing up your trip, trip there. What was it in the, was it in the vicinity? Oh, where yes.
1: Um, we actually see no, for, for carnival, you know, the, the culmination of everything is on Tuesday, of course, you know, it's yeah. the day before the day before Ash Wednesday and the beginning of Lent. Um, but we always leave on Monday morning. So our tour ends on Sunday um, yep. and we, we leave on Monday morning because normally those last two days, the Monday and Tuesday of carnival, it, Venice is so packed that you can't even walk in the street. So there's no point of even trying to photograph because you're just, you know, you're in a crowd. It's like being picked up and moved by the crowd. So yeah. So we had heard rumors on Sunday that they were talking about canceling some of the festivities. And by five o'clock on Sunday night, just as we were getting ready to go to our farewell dinner, we heard that the carnival people had decided to cancel everything for the, for the next two days for the rest of the, the carnival, which is a really smart idea because, you know, for those two days there's 20,000 people in St. Mark's Square so yeah. you know it was not a good idea however at that time i believe there was only two cases actually identified in venice um and it was the, the thing in the in northern italy that was just starting to blossom so um we came we went to the airport had no problem came home with no problem and and really, okay,
0: so you were not near the northern Italy. That's well, I, I don't. Ven- my,
1: Venice um, is kind of it, it is it's north of Rome and it's on the east coast. And you know we we weren't you know we're still in northern Italy, but we weren't really. But it I wasn't. Mean, that no, north no, north. no, hundreds of miles. It's, it was hundreds of miles yeah. away. It wasn't like we were we were right there. So in, in the in the Venetian area, there was it was not. It's like I said, there was just a couple of cases that had been reported but um but we were aware of it actually when we landed in italy they took our temperature at the airport so you know we we, everybody had heard about it at this point but nobody really knew how bad it was going to be and and that's when it really took off i mean everybody came on the trip nobody was nobody wanted to cancel the trip because of the pandemic because we didn't really know what it was then yes so, um, so yeah, so, so we got out. Okay. We were totally fine. We came home and everything, we were all fine. No, nobody was sick. Everybody was great. So, um, you know, we were lucky that the timing worked out that way.
0: And so now you're returning Yes. to, to that location. How does that make you feel? Great. Uh, Actually great.
1: Because, um, I think that uh well provided that the delta variant isn't going to go totally crazy but you know we're still looking at you know we're we're quite a ways away it's not until february and hopefully if there's any other flare ups that they're going to be under control by then um you know most of Europe is, has taken a tremendous pre- precautions um but to go back to venice again i think is really important because the city has been bereft you know most of their money comes from tourism and And I was very concerned. We stay at a small pension and Mm -hmm. there we know the people really well and the people who work there and they've, they've barely, you know, they've been closed for most of the time. They, you know, how they're staying alive and not, uh, you know, having to, to, you know, close their businesses. Um, so I'm very happy to be coming back and bringing people back who are going to, you know, eat and drink and sleep and, you know, pay for all these things and put some money back into the Venetian economy. Um, And and we know, we know quite a few of the costumers. I mean, we've, we've developed relationships with the costumers over the years. So, uh, you know, they normally come back year after year after year. And most of the people that we are in touch with are all planning on going back. So, um, as I said, provided that there's not some, you know, huge setback, uh, I think it's, it's going to be really great. I think it's really going to be fabulous.
0: Yeah. That, that, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be an amazing trip. Uh,
1: it, oh, yes, it is. It, it's <laughs> going to come full circle. Oh, yeah, and yeah.
0: Have a have a drink for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yes, Prosecco always.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Bobby, again, I want to bring you back on. When, when you are finished with this project and you're ready to share it with the world, uh, I I absolutely want to be first in line to uh, take a look. And, Great. Uh, I mean, we're, we're in the same, uh, area, so I'm just, uh, I'm just 45 minutes away. Yeah.
1: We have to get together.
0: <laughs> absolutely. I, I absolutely want to meet with you guys and have a beer and maybe we could meet in the city and, um, do, you know, do something. Uh, that, that would be great. Yeah. Have that'd be a blast. Version.
1: <laughs> yeah let's do that. We'll make it happen.
0: Right on. Uh, so before, I totally let you go. Uh, tell the world where they can find you on the web. Okay, great. My website is
1: www.bobbylane.com, and that's B O B B I L A N E.com. And then there is Bobby and Lee's Photo which is all one word, all lowercase, and no apostrophe. Bobby and Lee's Photo Boy, that's really a long one.
0: <laughs> that's all good. All easy um, And
1: if you want to reach me uh, by email, it's Bobby at Bobby So that's, that's pretty easy. Um, if you, if you, um, you know, if you, you can go on the Fuji site, you can go on to the, the creator site, the U S creator site and see uh, a lot more up, updated of my work. Um, you know, I regret to say that during this time of the pandemic, I should have taken some time to update my website, but I didn't do that.
0: <laughs> I don't think so,
1: <laughs> so my my website does need some updating but the creator site is pretty up to date right on as uh, as is the bobby and lee's photo adventures there's a there's a lot more stuff on that as well
0: and it's all awesome it's uh, it's such a pleasure to look at thank you um, and, and again i i adore your work uh you know it, it has such a great range and uh it is it is just amazing i i I I think it's wonderful. Well, thank Uh,
1: you. You really make me feel great, Mark. (laughs) Thank you so
0: much. I got a lot to work up. (laughs) I have a lot to live up to. (laughs) Is how I look at it. Um, But I enjoy the climb. Um, So yeah, it was was a tremendous time talking to you. We will meet in person. We'll have a beer. And uh, we'll we'll talk soon. Great.
1: Okay. Thank you. And, And good luck to all the Fuji people out there. Really, it's like, it's it's such a joy to be working with this gear that is allowing us to really complete our creative vision. And uh, in such a beautiful way.
0: You hear that Sony, you could suck it. (laughs) (laughs) I kid, I kid, I kid probably cut that out. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. Bobby, it was was awesome chatting with you. Great.
1: Thank Uh, you so much, Mark.